Thanks for listening to The Vine's podcast. The Vine is a church in Austin, Texas, with the simple goal of following Jesus together. And we hope this message helps you in doing just that. Happy Easter. On this special day, we have some very special scripture readers. Let's listen to God's word together from some of our very own Vine kids. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, roared back in the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became came like dead men. The angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has returned from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I I have told you. So the woman hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountains where Jesus told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Have you ever noticed how context changes our experiences? What I mean by that is you encounter something and your experience of that thing is deeply formed by the time in which you encountered it, the people you did it with, the time and the place. So uh, our context is deeply powerful in our perception of certain experiences. So a perfect example, imagine yourself as a young person and you had seen a movie and you absolutely loved it. You go home, you tell your parents, mom and dad, you guys have to see this movie, it's, it's awesome. And then they go, well, let's watch it together. So then you sit down and you watch this movie and it feels incredibly different. There are certain scenes that you didn't remember as inappropriate that all of a sudden watching it with your parents in the same room, it feels incredibly uncomfortable and awkward. Now the story hasn't changed, the film hasn't changed, but the context has, and so your experience is radically different. Where and when you have an encounter with something can change our, your experience with it. And I'm not sure about you, but I'm, I'm realizing it now here in Easter 2020. This feels different. Easter just seems different. The story hasn't changed. But the context in which we are experiencing the story of Easter and the promise of the resurrected Jesus, it seems different because our context is so radically different from what is normal.
And what is normal? Well, Easter usually is a day of absolute joy, sheer celebration, where we as people, we bust out our best pastel outfits, we come together in large groups of people, parents are putting their kids in embarrassing jumpers, and everyone shakes hands, hugs each other, people are high-fiving, kids are licking the handrails. Who cares? It's Easter! And then even for what churches do in worship, this is a day where our, that our worship feels like a triumph celebration of the power of God. It's, it's an experience of joy. We put flowers on crosses. Uh, we experience a shorter than average sermon. We love it. We look to the brunch afterwards. Even families and neighbors, they gather together. I was uh, on my Facebook recently and a memory popped up from our Easter last year and I saw this video and I thought how different was it just a year ago but this is what we think when we think of Easter it's a day of joy where kids have Easter egg hunts and they enjoy weird marshmallow candy <laughs> it's a day of absolute celebration but here we are in 2020 and there's no crowds there's no extended family celebrations I doubt you're wearing your Sunday best. You're probably just wearing the same outfit that you wore yesterday. And Easter feels different. It's just this context is so very different. Uh, I've even heard from some churches that they have made the choice to, to cancel or postpone Easter until they can all gather together again because it just does not feel like Easter. But the surprising thing for me personally is I feel like this context that we're in right now is not taking away the meaning and the experience of Easter. It's actually allowing me to see it more clearly in a different way. This is what I, this is what I mean. Um, I don't think the triumphant worship concert that we know as normal is what people experienced on that first Easter. The scripture reading our kids just beautifully did um, what we just heard, if we just stop and think about this story, this is personally what I have noticed. I've noticed two women who were the only ones who, who out of love came to, to want to be close to their friend who had died. They traveled to Jesus's tomb to mourn. And it's what I heard in our scripture reading, they got there before dawn. And so their experience begins in darkness, in mourning, in weeping. They didn't expect Jesus to not be there. They weren't expecting Easter. They just wanted to be near the body of the person whom they love. And when they arrive, it doesn't seem to get better. When they arrive, what did we find in Scripture? That there was a violent earthquake. I've never been in an experience with an earthquake, but the people I know who have, they say it's disorienting, it's fear-inspiring. When nothing feels stable, this was these two women's experience. Nothing felt stable. Everything was shaky and moving. It was a violent earthquake, and I'm sure they were absolutely terrified. They did not experience this earthquake and wonder, what does this mean? Is Jesus alive? I think that it was not the potential of joy. It was a confusion and fear and uh, disillusionment on top of their sense of loss. But then they look up and they, they see an angel 
on top of the stone that was already rolled away, and the guards that were there, and the women that were there, were petrified in fear. The first words of the, from the angel were this, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Notice that they didn't say that Jesus was alive. He's right around the corner. He just said, he's not here anymore. And come and see the place where he used to be. Come and see this emptiness that used to be where Jesus was. I don't think at this point these women ever believed that they would see Jesus again. They just experienced the void of where Jesus could be. But the, these two women, these two Marys, they couldn't linger because they were sent by these angels. They were commissioned. Then verse 7, the angel said, Go quickly and tell his disciples, Jesus' disciples, that he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. And so the very first two evangelists we have in the Christian tradition are these two women. They couldn't even testify in court and they were entrusted with the first declaration that Jesus was alive. And so these women, they hurry off. And I don't feel like they understood at all at that point, like many of us. I mean, they didn't have everything figured out. And I love the description of their emotional and mental state at that point in verse eight. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. I love that description that they were experiencing both fear and joy, and even not just kind of joy, but they were full of joy, that we can have these two emotions and realities in our minds and our hearts and our souls just stirring around in these moments like this, that we can be people that can be honest with our fear, but we also know that there's overflowing joy and that this was part of the experience on that first Easter. And so they are going, they're, they're going there with that, just being faithful to what they know and what they've been told to do. And it's in that moment where they have their first encounter with the resurrected Jesus. This is what happens. Verse 9. Then suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him. These women came to him, clasped his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. So these women go to the disciples and they share their experience. I'm sure with the empty tomb, with the angels and with Jesus. And then they share, you need to go to Galilee. You're going to see what we saw there too. And so that's what they did. Verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw Jesus, they worshiped him, but some doubted. So even after hearing these women's testimony and going to the very mountain where they were told to go, they see Jesus and the response is so telling to me. What was their response? Well, some of them worship. I'm sure they fell on their knees and began worshiping Jesus, declaring who Jesus was, while some of them also doubted. I mean, could this be? There's no way. We saw him die. There's no way that's Jesus. And I'm sure in the midst of all of that, there's also this, this feeling of 
the amount of loss, the tragic loss that they just experienced by following Jesus and seeing him put to death and with his death, all the dreams and the hopes for their life. And man, I can't go through that again. I can't do this again. I, I just struggling with doubt. What I'm seeing in this context here in 2020 is this mixture of fear and joy and worship and doubt. And I'm just reminded, I'm just just reminded as I'm reading this passage that the promise and the power of Easter was not an instantaneous moment. It took time. And even it was to these worshipers who were also doubters that Jesus gives the well-known Great Commission, the Great Sending. In the words that we know as the mission statement for every church and every Christian was given to those people in that context, with those disciples who, with a mixture of faith and doubt, that it was through them the church was born. Now, why is this important? Well, again, if our context changes our experience and perspective of things, this is what I notice here on this Easter day in 2020 is that the first Easter was not an eruption of celebration and praise and absolute sheer joy. What I notice is how Easter begins. It begins in darkness. It begins with people mourning what was lost, not only their friend's life, but their hopes and dreams, their future. I I notice how life as they knew it stopped What I notice is an earthquake where things feel unstable, where you're not sure what's happening around you. This is feeling like our context here and now. What I notice is that that the understanding of the power of Easter did not happen instantaneously. It did not just happen in a moment. There wasn't some great spectacle that everyone saw. Oh, that's what Easter is. Oh, Jesus is alive. Everything has changed. What happened instead was that the power and the promise of Easter was more like an unfolding reality that met people in the midst of their fear, in the midst of their confusion, and it actually took time. It took time that people were wrestling with what to believe and their own doubts as they encountered the resurrected Savior, as Jesus came to them. That's the original context of what Easter is. And man, that feels like here today. What if Easter in the way we're experiencing isn't something we should delay and put off or just think, oh, this is weird. What if this is more like the first Easter than what we think of as normal? Even in John's gospel, where Jesus shows himself to the disciples, he finds them hiding in their homes. They're hiding out. They're afraid of the Jewish leaders that they would do the same things to them that they did to Jesus. So they're hiding. They're they're secluded, afraid. And Jesus shows himself to them. So what's become normal in our Easter experiences, uh, for me, in this context, seems far removed from the first Easter the day the resurrection took place, that did change everything. That there was life again, and hope again, and promise and future again. But this took time. For example, when word came to Thomas, one of the disciples, that Jesus was alive again, what I love about Thomas was his honesty. He said these words, 
He said, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. What I love about Jesus is Jesus met Thomas in the midst of his doubt. Jesus didn't ridicule him for having doubt. Jesus didn't say, Thomas, it's Easter. No place for doubt here. Instead, the gentle Savior allowed Thomas, Thomas, touch me. Feel my wounds. Feel, feel my body, which I have laid down for you and for all. Stop doubting and believe. Jesus was gentle and persistent. That's, that's the work of Easter. That's the work of the resurrection in our life. It finds us. It's persistent. It's patient. It understands it's going to be an unfolding reality in our life. Jesus had to find the disciples, seek them out, reinstate them not only to the ministry that he had intended to them, but also redeem and restore the relationship that Jesus wanted to have with them. That this is what, this is what the resurrection is all about. This is what Easter is all about. And I know from talking to many of you that here and now, you come into Easter with your own sense of loss, your own anxiety, your own fear, your own uncertainty, you're feeling like the ground that you're standing on is shaking. And I know many of you are, are struggling with doubt. Going, All right, where, where's God? Where's God's provision? Where's God's protection? And I just want to tell you the surprising words. Happy Easter. This is what today is all about. It's all about the reality of Jesus' power and presence meeting us wherever we are. Though it might feel so bizarre to carry this into Easter, happy Easter, because this is how lives were changed. This is how the kingdom of God entered into this world through the surprising promise and presence of hope that we find in the midst of suffering. And I just think about Jesus's words in that great commission. The book ends to what he said there. He said this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So I have all power. All power is mine. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. What Jesus is saying in these words I need to hear today is that all authority in heaven have been given to me. And you need to know I'm not going anywhere. That I'm with you. I'm staying by your side. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see you through this. And this is the power and the promise of Easter is that Jesus is with you. And with Jesus, with that resurrection power, comes hope. And, you know, it's funny. We've walked through this season of Lent. And in Lent, uh, we're usually reminded of specific lessons. Lessons like we are people who are dependent, that we are needy, we are easily led astray, that we are mere mortals. And we learned this lesson this season of Lent. And I got to be honest, this Lent has been the lentiest Lent that I have ever Lented. And I'm sure you have too. And like, why, why would we walk through this journey <laughs> through Lent to learn all these lessons? We take all those lessons and we put them in the context that we have now with the resurrected Savior who lived and died and rose again for me and you to give us something, to give us hope, to give us life. And Jesus, he places ourselves in that context and we get to see the one who meets our weakness with power, 
the one who meets our shame and brokenness with radical love and acceptance, the one who meets our own mortality and gives us life eternal, who promises us a context of heaven where there is no more suffering, there is no more fear, there is no loss or sorrow, that that is our eventual context because of today, because of Easter, because of the resurrection of Jesus. This is the power of Easter. This is why Jesus bore that cross. This is why he experienced death. And this is why he came to life again, to place our sorrow, our doubt, our fear in the context of a promise of life eternal with him. That's the reason why we're gathering on this day, is we get to experience that. So wherever you are, wherever you are today, that mixture of fear and joy, that mixture of worship and doubt, I just want to encourage you to keep an eye out for Jesus. He is persistent, he is patient, he is gentle, and he loves you. He wants you to know what today is all about. And this context is not a bad context for us to realize that Jesus is with us. So I want to have us turn now to a time of just reflection and prayer. So if you're to be honest with the, just the, the context when your life is today, just consider that in prayer and just kind of situate today's and Easter with an honest reflection of where you are, where is your heart, where is your mind. If you were to just take an account of where your thoughts are, where your heart is, how your soul is doing, just take that to Jesus in prayer and be honest. And I would encourage you just to, just to make your needs known to Jesus. Be honest with Him. If you're struggling with doubt, if you're struggling with fear, if you're confused, just be honest. And now if you can, if you can do so, just ask for Jesus' help. Ask that Jesus would provide for you what you truly need. And on this Easter, Ask for life in Him. Even if you've never asked for that prayer, just, just pray a simple prayer of Jesus, I need you, I need your grace, I need your hope, I need your life, and I will give myself to you as much as I know of myself, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to walk with you, I want to know you. So Christ, we thank you for being here in this context, in our lives, wherever we are. We thank you for your persistence, your patience, your gentleness and love. And we pray this Easter that we would see you more clearly, that we would understand that all authority and power is with you and that you are with us. We'll love you. We'll trust you. And we'll cling to you in this moment. Amen.